This episode of Mr. Speaker Speaks is dedicated to my uncle, the late Bobby D. Cross. On the day of this recording, he passed away. He was my mother's brother, and he was a jokester. He had a way to make you laugh and to make you smile. Much love, Uncle Bobby. This one is for you. You will be missed. Hello, world. Hello, everybody that's tuning in and listening. Welcome to another episode of Mr. Speaker Speaks. You know, it's the show that educates, stimulates, and rejuvenates your mind. And how do we do it? Interactive dialogue, deep, candid, and stimulating conversations. It is here where people share their stories to help inspire and motivate others. It is the show where the guest get to speak you can learn more about me at vincenttedwards.com or you can check me out at vincentondemand.com where you can find exclusive access to seminars videos to help you pivot into your purpose with power and precision you know i always say life is all about purpose my guest today on the show is the award-winning Singer, songwriter, pastor, and independent gospel music recording artist, Martha Nizzi. And we're going to talk about her new single, Glorious 2.0, I'm Gonna Win, as well as other things. Today's show is brought to you by The Knight Law Firm, specializing in personal injury law, criminal defense law, family law. You can call them at 850-513-3151. That's 850-513-3151. On the web at thenightlawfirm.com. The Knight Law Firm, the representation you need, the service you deserve. Here on Mr. Speaker Speaks, you know We open up with prayer. And when I have the opportunity to have a conversation with someone in the ministry, I always ask them, will they do the prayer? And today, on today's episode, we're going to be blessed by the opening prayer from our guest, Martha Nizzi. The floor is yours, Martha. Well, let's do it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for just another opportunity to to sit and talk about you and how good you are and what you've done and how you've blessed us and how you've brought us through and how you're still doing great things in us. And so, Father, for the next few moments, as we share and we discuss, we keep you at the center of everything we're going to talk about, God, because you are there. And, Father, I pray for every listener, everyone who is even stumbling across this, Lord, that there's a divine appointment for them to hear something that's going to encourage, to uplift, that will heal, that will give them answers, maybe to a challenge they're facing. We just thank you, God, that your spirit is with us as we share and we talk about how good you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. And our inspirational verse of scripture for tonight comes from the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I just love that because today we're going to talk about glorious 2.0. I'm going to win. Martha, welcome to Mr. Speaker Speaks. Thank you so much. It's great to be on here with you today. It is truly a pleasure. I'm going to start this off this way. What's your favorite inspirational quote uh, that keeps you going when you, when, you, when you think about things. What's your favorite inspirational quote or passage of scripture? I'll give you a choice. Oh, you know the okay. So the my, one of my I have a few. You just opened up a whole a whole thing now because <laughs> I I love um, a couple of scriptures that I've been really just speaking and sharing. Um, one is Isaiah fifty four. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Can't you see it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and a road through the desert and water in the dry land. And I'm telling you, I love that. But my other new favorite is found in Amos nine in the message translation, because this is something that we're, we're living right now. The new song, the new record that's about to come out is really um, 
is this scripture coming to, to life? And it says, this is God's decree. Things are going to happen so fast, your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of the other, you won't be able to keep up. Everything will happen at once. And everywhere you look, blessings, blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and hills. And I'll make everything right again for my people. And we're seeing that happen. We're experiencing it. If you haven't experienced it yet, hold on, keep praying, keep believing. Everywhere you look, blessings. That is the season that we are moving into, I believe. And so that's really speaking to me and encouraging me more than anything right now. My Lord, you know, you just spoke a word to my heart, my soul and my spirit, especially, especially with the first scripture, because this year I, I, we celebrated eight years, the start of eight years in ministry at True Holiness Church of God in Christ, where I pastor. And that was our theme for this year beginning wow. new beginnings and oh my goodness I'm like Lord really so you're really speaking to me and then you take me <laughs> over to the book of Amos so I'm just going to declare and decree all of that right that's now. right oh. we might as well yes. we might as well stay on the mountaintop we're going to do great things most definitely you know in your own words what does gospel music mean to you you know it really means the good news, the good news. And, and I am a gospel fan first. I've been a gospel music fan since I was a teenager. My husband introduced me to, I mean, we were all, we would sing soon and very soon by Andre Crouch, but my husband is the one who really introduced me to just the, the, all of, you know, Andre's music and blew my mind as just as a teenager. And then listening to gospel music throughout my life, Ricky Grundy and John P. Key and, just it, it, the list goes on and on. It's just the good news. It brings so much joy and life and truth and revelation. And like I said a few minutes ago, stay on the mountaintop. It puts you on the mountaintop. You're never going to be depressed after you listen to gospel music. Never. You're always going to listen and it's going to heal you. It's going to bring you joy. It's a, it's a celebration. And that's what I love about gospel music. I love it too. It's, it's uplifting. When when you look in the mirror and you see yourself, how do you define yourself as a gospel singer? Are you a praiser? Are you a worshiper? Are you something else, something in between? How do you see yourself? I would say praiser, worshiper, encourager, exhorter even. Um, and as I've gotten older, I probably get more into the exhort, the exhortation uh, gift of you know, even more than just praise and worship, just more of a declarative, let's get on with it. Let's, you know, let's shake it off. Let's move on. Let's just trust in who our God says he is. And let's, we're going to win this thing. You know, we're, we're going to win. This is who we are, you know? And that's really what I, I'm seeing more and more as I'm singing and ministering. And you mentioned about pastoring, we're pastoring as well. And so we understand, you know, we were in year four and then COVID decided to, to come along and, you know, just be a setback, but, and all the, all of the struggles that come with that, but it's really develops even more of that exhort, exhort what's the word, exhortation, spiritual gift in me, preaching more. And um, so I'm, and then getting older too, you know, you don't, you're probably, I, I probably could be nicer sometimes. I'm like, am I being nice? I'm <laughs> preaching all this, but you just kind of get tired of the nonsense. You get tired of, Come on, like we're we're serving God. He's been good. Look back over your life and see what God's done. Let's move forward. Let's get on with it. We've we've got you know a job to do. We're on mission, and that's my my music is kind of taking more of that um, that feel and sound and theme, just more from an exhortation point of view. Okay, excellent. When you get ready to to minister through music. What are some of the things that you do to prepare yourself and uh, to lead others to worship? Well, you know, I try to, to live as much as I can daily in a place where at any minute, if I'm called on, I can jump up and I'm ready to go. I, I really do. I, I have for, for 25 years, I've realized, especially in the worship um, realm, you know, I was a worship leader for many years. And I remember sitting on the front row 
during the message going, okay, he could go any direction. He could go slow. He could go fast. He could talk victory. He could talk salvation. I got to be ready. And so I always just sit on the edge of my seat, just ready at any moment. And I've tried to live my life that way in, in my spiritual and personal time with the Lord is to be ready. I, I did a prayer this morning. I, I've been doing noon prayer on my social media and I was talking about, you know, I love talking about health and wellness and, you know, I, I sometimes I'll get on my social media and talk about that. And, and I always love to use the phrase living above the wellness line. Like, don't wait until you get sick. Stay well. Do something today that keeps you from getting sick in 10, 15 years. What are you doing now that keeps you out of the doctor's office and keeps you off of the prescriptions? Live above the wellness line. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you know, you can do the same thing spiritually. Live above the, the spiritual wellness line. Live it every day so that you're not feeling as if, Okay, I'm in panic mode and I'm not ready. I'm I'm ready. I've learned to be ready at any time. And that doesn't mean that I don't spend extra time in prayer and and vocalizing and getting ready and and being intentional. That's something that's important. The intentionality of of getting ready. Lord, what do you want to say to this congregation, to to this place? What is it that you're saying specifically? And and uh, that's just that's how I've lived my life. And it's worked very well. Sounds like it's about a relationship and a lifestyle. You are, it's, yes. it's all it's it's twenty twenty four seven. You know, yeah. Looking back over your life and where you are now, how and when did you know you were called to minister through song? You know what i I knew that i I didn't know what I was called to do, but I knew what I didn't want to do. I didn't want to just sing for money. I didn't want it because I had done that for, really? for seven years. Oh, yeah, I, know. <laughs> I just thought I had to say I that. Didn't make money, thank God. But 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 like when I was in my early teens, I was working at Disney, singing, and anything that I could do just to make the paycheck. You know, even in my early twenties, just use my voice, make it simple. And after a while, I thought there is there is nothing to this. This is so empty. And I remember one night I went to church, and Ron Canoli and Don Moen were doing. That's how old I am. Um, they were doing a <laughs> a concert at our church. And I mean, the presence of God, I'd never heard worship music like that. And I fell on my face. I said, God, I don't care if I ever make a dime, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I, I want that in my life every single day. I want that intimacy. I want that it kind of encounter with you. And that's kind of where it started early on, where I just saw the example of people, of the transform, a transformative gift of true worship leaders. And I knew I just wanted that for my own life. And then God began to put me in places and in ministries where I was able to develop my gifts um, based on my desires of being in God's presence. So I would say, you know, early on, 16, 17, 18. And then as I got into my 20s and my 30s, I really started to see God manifest some of those promises and dreams and callings on my life. Wow. So you said you were there singing with the mouse. That's what I call Orlando down there yes. with the mouse. What was <laughs> <laughs> what was it like uh, being a part of that grand production down there in Orlando? You know, it was really fun. It was really fun. And it was interesting because God placed me there. I I, I don't normally give this part of the story in interview. So thank you for asking. It's, it's kind of interesting. My husband and I had only been married just a little while. We didn't have. Uh, I think we were getting ready to have um, my oldest daughter and I just needed to make some money on the weekends, just extra money. And so a, a, a friend of mine who um, she was an older lady who had um, a, a, it wasn't a ministry. It was a business where she hired singers and they would sing. The, it was called Madrigal Singers. You've seen like the old timey from the 1800s with the big skirts and the hats. And, yes. And they would sing four part harmony around Christmas. The carolers, the carolers is what they were called. And I thought, well, I'll go do that. It was like $15 an hour. I thought, that's living large, you know. I'll do that on a Tuesday night. And I went to in, to to audition for her, and she actually sent me and said, I'm putting to, together a group for Disney, a four-girl group. Would you want to be a part of that? I said, yes. And when I went to do the audition, the other three girls were girls I had grown up with. And so we were all Christians, hadn't seen them in years, and God placed us all together. And we did that for several years throughout the holidays. We had a great time. And and uh, don't ask for any pictures or videos because I refuse to let you see them. But anyway, um, <laughs> we'll find we them if they're on the yeah, Internet. They're somewhere. They're somewhere. They they're never there. they never go no. away. <laughs> and we had a great time doing that. We were a part of the Street Mosphere cast. So if you come 
to Disney or, or Hollywood Studios and you see the people, the comedians in the street doing like the fun little skits, that's what we were a part of. So we had characters and we would sing on the street and it was just a lot of fun. And it, it really just it developed another part of um, the talent that God gave me and helped me when I was leading worship to be a little bit you know, more outgoing and, and extroverted. So it all worked together. I can't believe you're sitting here saying that you're more of an introvert. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was early on. I had to learn when I was in front of people to be stage presence and, and feeling comfortable in front of a crowd and just letting myself just be who I am. And that, that really did make a difference. It, it helped me a lot. Help to bring you out of what somewhat of a shell that you were in. It's hard for me to fathom that this great, <laughs> magnificent voice was in, in a shell oh, yeah. and, and had to be brought out. You know, I'm a yeah. native Floridian and, you know, there are not too many people uh, that were born here and, and live here. How did you get to Orlando? You know, um, actually, I'm a, a native Orlandoan. So <laughs> I've been here. My whole life, my parents were were evangelists. My dad sang and preached. My mom played the piano, sang and traveled. And my my sister and I are twins. And so my mother and father were traveling and they were in Lakeland, Florida, and she went into labor. So I don't know why Lakeland is so random, but (laughs) I think that's where Publix is, isn't it? (laughs) I guess so. I mean, we don't even ever go there. But anyway. Thank God for all the Lakeland people. Um, but, praise but, yeah, the Lord. We born, yes, praise the <laughs> Lord. We were born there, but um, we actually had lived in Orlando for, except for just maybe moving for a year to different met Miami, and then, but that was pretty much it. I'm growing up here, so my parents pastored a church uh, in Windermere, Florida, for a few years, and I met my husband. He and his family moved from New York when he was eight years old, and that's the that's how we met. And Orlando has been my home. Went to high school, junior high. All of it right here. Oh, so did you sing in high school at all? I did. I, I was a, I was in the, I was the nerd in <laughs> band and in chorus. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh yeah, I, I, we drove our, my sister and I drove our chorus teachers crazy. Cause of course we knew way more than they did. <laughs> and, um, or we thought we did. So we drove them crazy and, and tried to win everybody to Jesus. We would sing Jesus is my, every every day. We would go into our course class, and my sister would sit at the piano and play Jesus is the answer. And I would sing it and teach it to all the students. And the teacher would walk in and be so frustrated because she'd lost control of this of the of the class. So my sister and I, <laughs> so we just we just had one. We we only we really just had one. You know, main motive was like to get everybody to heaven. Like we have to win all these people. That's what we have to do because. You know, we were raised in that era that if you didn't witness, you're not going to heaven. I mean, that's how we were kind of raised. So. Especially with the parents pressure. being evangelists. So y'all were fire and yeah. brimstone. Oh, no. <laughs> we were. But we were. It's funny because when you look at our, our yearbook, you just you see what people said. You know, you we can never, you know, curse around you. you thank you for taking us to church. Thank you for, for t- telling us about Jesus. I'm like, oh, my gosh, we were the opposite of partiers we were little evangelists Uh, and annoying ones at that uh, (laughs) (laughs) didn't give up so what instrument or instruments do you play i you know i play piano i I sight read i play guitar um that's pretty much tambourine i am great at playing tambourine oh that's church that's church right there (laughs) yes and if that's ever needed i'm your girl but it's probably not going to be an issue but um but yeah, I, my husband is a phenomenal uh, musician as well. So I just kind of let him lead in that area. And I just, I sing and, uh, but yeah, my, but I, I, my mother taught us how to sight read and, and play and my whole life. So I, I love, I love the piano. Oh, yes. You're listening to Mr. Speaker Speaks. And my guest today is the Gospel Award winning singer, songwriter, Martha Menizzi. And we're just having a little bit of fun today, learning more about her and progressing and moving towards glorious 2.0. I'm going to win. When you look at everything that you've done and you were there and you were selling CDs and all of that's going on, then all of a sudden, like the book of Malachi, you just stop speaking. 
what happened? <laughs> <laughs> you know, right after the end of that, we, you know, it was like, okay, there was this long pause between the, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the New, I know. <laughs> so. I know, I went silent. You went silent. This great voice went silent. Where did you go? What did you, you know, do? Well, I actually was struggling with my voice. I had nodules and I had a muscle dysphonia. I didn't know that I had it. So I was struggling just with range, with um, all kinds of issues. So that has been a, a journey back. Um, but then my husband and I really felt God speak to us about 2013 to really plant something here in Orlando. And so we started Nights of Worship, Epic Life Nights of Worship. We would invite different artists to come and, and we had a gym that, that we owned and that we just filled up and, and we would do that every month. And then God began to speak to us to do something a little, take the next step. And so we started Bible studies. We did that for about a year. And then we launched uh, on Sunday nights and did Sunday night, every Sunday night services. And then we launched on Sunday morning five, about five years ago. And so we've been pastoring and it's, it is um, a, a, an amazing season. It is a, you know, this I'm sure firsthand, the challenge oh, yes. is amazing because as an, as a singer, songwriter, worship leader, everybody, if they love you, they love you. Like you're, if you're, if, if they are your fan, they are your fan for life and they love you. If you're a pastor, <laughs> it's like everybody is mad at me. What did I do? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't, you didn't call me. You know, I was sick oh, and shut in. <laughs> I, it's unbelievable. I have so much. And my dad pastored, my brother-in-law's pastor, my grandparents pastor. I, I see pastoring, you know, from a, from the sidelines, but it is not like when you pastor. And I, when, if any, you know, I've always been this way, but I'm this way even more now, like I'm team pastor. Like if you complain about your pastor, I put an X, if, if, you, if people come to my church talking about, about their old church, I, I say, you know what? You need to go make it right with your pastor. Don't even bother coming here. Literally don't. Cause you're going to bring that here. Cause we just learn in five years. <laughs> <laughs> A learning experience. Where they left. Mm -hmm. Oh man. So we, we just, you know, but it's been a challenge, but raising people up, watching at the same time, seeing the people that are all in and, and are a part of the family and, and a part of, of the vision. And then it's so fulfilling and watching their kids grow and, and walking them through difficulties and challenges. And then, you know, walking through COVID, which has been a huge challenge, serving alongside with our adult children. They all went to college and came back and said, we want to serve with you and, that it's just a, it's just an incredible, challenging season, and you know I feel like I'm more equipped now to, to help people in different ways than I ever was before, as I you know just traveling and singing and, and praise and worship. So with all the things going on during the pandemic, I mean life changed for the church itself from the standpoint of how we actually preach the gospel and have worship services. What have you learned during? the pandemic and how were you able to encourage and, and help people? What did God show you during this time? Well, there's a lot that he's showing me. I know, I know a lot of people have experienced loss. Um, so it's kind of this strange double-sided coin, if that's the phrase to use on one hand, it's, there's a 99.9% recovery rate. My husband and I had COVID. Our kids had COVID. My mother had COVID. My family had COVID. We all recovered. And so there's, there's that, that part of me that says, come on guys, let's move on. We're going to, you're going to live. But then there's that outlier, a family, a 85 year old, very, very close family member passed away. And so you, we don't want to take it lightly, but at the same time, why, you know, God, what are you speaking? And one of the things that God's really been speaking to me from the beginning is we're the church for a specific reason. That doesn't mean that we're going to, to be reckless. It doesn't mean that we're not going to care, but it also means that God's going to require some things out of us as believers. When you go back and look at the ancient church, they were known, they had attributes and, and values and they were the church for a reason. And they, they put their lives on the line for people who were dying from sicknesses and diseases. They, they gave their life to nurse people back to health. That was through 
out the Roman Empire. That was out th- through throughout, you know, the, the in, in, you know, eras. And mm-hmm. you can see that, that that's a trait of the church. And so that's something that I struggled with. Like, OK, aren't we supposed to risk it all? Like this is if this is persecution from the enemy, let's get. So it's it's that that's what it's showing me now. It's both. It's not either or it's both. Let's be safe. Let's be careful. Let's be loving and and compassionate to people who are not ready to come back. But for those of us who are ready, let's run with vision. We're here on mission and let's get back in the game. And so that's really what I have gone through just saying, Lord, help me not be someone that has no empathy for people who should be my mother. I was very concerned about my mother. She got it. I got sicker than she did. She's 80 years old. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, it, there's a, there's a lot of, I don't, one of the things that I've, I've really fought against is that spirit of fear. And, and we, we can think that we're operating in wisdom and, and it's actually fear because sometimes explain that one fear. Well, fear many, many times masquerades as wisdom. And when we're wearing masks all the time, which we need to, I'm not arguing with that. We need to think about other people. I, I understand all of that. But what happens is the masks that we've been wearing for all these months and, and over a year now, it's for many of us, it's created this kind of a new um, exercise, a new way of operating. Be, be cautious. It makes you think. In the beginning, remember, we didn't even know what it was like to wear a mask. It looked crazy if you saw someone wear a mask. Now we can't imagine not wearing a mask. You know, in the beginning, I, I couldn't rem- I'm like, we we ordered how many masks? We don't need that many masks. This is going to be over. And now there's masks everywhere. There's one on the floor and, you know, in in my in my house, in my car. They're they're everywhere. And it's just become a norm. Masks are now normal where a year ago they were foreign to us. And and if we're not careful, we're literally leading our lives based on that. It's caution. You can't go in because you don't have a mask. You can't, you know, social distance because you're, you're going to get sick. So we're we're it's it's wise. We have to be careful, but we also have to be aware that we're not walking in fear and that this we will recover. We will come out of this. And and a lot of people haven't left their homes. You know, I, I it, it astounds me. Oh, no, I don't I don't leave my house. I don't leave my house. And and. Yet I see people at Costco and, and Target's packed all the time, <laughs> but yeah. don't go to church. It's you know, a- so I, I feel that that kind of that strong leadership drive that says, guys, let's get back in the game. We're going to be OK. Just wear your mask, but get out in this life and don't just stay because there are some things that are worse than COVID. The anxiety, the, the rates of people that are dealing with huge problems with depression and anxiety are even worse than COVID. So that's how I, that's how I see it. What, when I look at it from just a practical perspective, um, it's just combating that fear that can jump on us and it keeps changing the goalposts. That's what fear does. You know, as soon as you feel like, okay, if I do all of this, then I'm safe. Well, then the goalpost changes. So at the end of the day, God, what are you saying? What do you expect from me? And that's the lane I want to be in a lane that, that faith lane. Most definitely. And I think we have to be in a position to hear from God. And I, and I like the way you state that about, you know, being wise, but yet being cautious and not being overly cautious and understanding that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind, knowing what to do and when to do it. Um, so I, I really like that perspective. I have another question for you. You know, with being... <clears throat> world-renowned, famous, and now pastoring. <laughs> Are you expected to sing every Sunday <laughs> at church? Well, that's a great question. Okay, so I am actually the main communicator at our church. My husband speaks a little bit, but that's not his main gift. He's more administrative. So he said, if we do this, you're we're going to have to raise up a team, but you're going to preach. I said, well, praise the Lord. So that's what I do every week. So, um, but recently especially through COVID and all that, it's just been, you know, the team kind of, everybody kind of gets dispersed and, and jobs demand more. And so I have been singing a lot more on Sundays. I hadn't for a long time, um, but we're all kind of playing, you know, triple duty here. So I'm like, I'll help lead, I'll help sing. And so the last few weeks I I've done both. So 
and and I'm I'm raising up other speakers and other people that are great at teaching so that I can I can lead a little bit more. Are you expected to give many concerts? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Yes, sometimes I am. And it's just easier to go with that. Sometimes it's just easier to go with that. Just, you know, especially the new song I'm going to win our church loves it and oh, we're yeah. having so much fun with that song. Oh, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Trust me, I have it queued up amongst other things outside of your own songs. What are two of your most favorite gospel songs? Outside of my own songs? Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. There are so many. I got to tell you, of course, you know, anything by Andre Crouch, The Blood Will Never Lose Its Power, is one of my all-time favorite, favorite songs. And, um, you know, of course, anything by Cece. Her new song, Believe For It, we sang it last Sunday, and it was unbelievably powerful so anything by cc and andre crouch i'm i'm here for it <laughs> <laughs> all right well we're gonna walk our way to, to glorious 2.0 i'm just gonna say a, a title of uh your cd and then you just tell me what song comes to mind when i say that i'm gonna test your your memory because okay. we we often think that you know you sing it, you're supposed to remember every single line, every single song, no matter when I call it out. <laughs> right. Okay. right. All right. So if I were to say the title of the CD, say the name, what comes to mind off of that CD? Oh, Lord, what comes to mind? Um, the longest version of Because of Who You Are Known to Man is <laughs> on that is on that record CD, but say the name. Um, Hallelujah. Yeah. Come on, everybody. I, I think young and uh, thank you, much, much stronger ability to hit those big old high notes. <laughs> so is that what you thought? You said the longest version. <laughs> the longest version of Because of Who You Are is on that record for sure. And I, I, I really <laughs> like that song. Thank you. Thank you. You yeah, so. Yeah. All right. So now, if I were to say the best is yet to come, what comes to your mind? Oh, my goodness. I think of I think of an incredible night at Lakewood, a recording. I think um, I was prophesying in that song for my own life. I just gotten started nobody knew who I was the door opened at Lakewood and I just saw God setting us up in a way that I could have never made happen on my own and it was I'll never forget that moment singing the best is yet to come and then watching it all unfold and happen prophesied prophesying over my own self and watching it happen it's a moment I'll never forget Mm. wow the best is yet to come all right so uh on that that was that's the next album there so that you know the best is yet to come um let's let's see let's go to no limits live um okay so that is a record that i was able to play with some of the greatest musicians i got a chance literally to hire all of fred hammond's got all of his incredible band and they were great friends of ours and Oh my gosh, that was an incredible experience doing that. And and then singing a song called Always Welcome with my twin sister that she wrote on that record because it was a double disc. That was a highlight for that for that night, for that recording, singing that with her. And then Jesus is the best thing is on that record. That was one of my favorite moments. So always welcome. Always welcome. What do you what what's special about that outside of being with your sister? Um, it was just a powerful moment. God's presence, just the song itself. The door to you is open wide and I'm always welcome. And I kind of had my sister hidden the whole night. And so no one saw her. And so when I'm on stage, no, she came out first and sang. And then I walked out. So people thought they, some people thought that I was out. She was me. And then when I walked out, they all gasped like, wait a minute, there's two of them. (laughs) (laughs) That was a fun moment. Wow. I like the melody there. It's a beautiful song. What comes to mind 
when I say make it loud? That was a song, believe it or not, when Katy Perry wrote her song, um, it was a, one of the songs about, I just remember she put a new, she just put a record out and I was so blown away by just the lyrics and the song content. And I was grieved by it. And as a young, a mom of young girls, I was like, Lord, what, what do I say? What do I do? I, I feel like I need to speak to this because this is going to lead so many young girls down the wrong path, these songs. And, and I just heard the Lord say, just praise me louder. Just praise me more, celebrate me more. And, and, and my praise will literally overwhelm the enemy. And that's why I wrote that song because I didn't know what to say except just give God the biggest praise I had. And make it loud. Make it loud. Big praise. <laughs> it has a, that's almost like a, a Indian type theme under there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got a little crazy on that one. I mean, that <laughs> bringing back some memories, huh? <laughs> yes. Making it loud. All right. So now, bringing us up to date, Glorious 2.0. When we hear 2.0, we often think of reinventing oneself. What's behind this Glorious 2.0? Well, it's... I, I going through the pandemic and the shutdown, I found myself really uh, finding comfort in familiar things like old sitcoms, you know, and things that it was before COVID. I, I wanted to just watch things before when everything seemed normal and the world wasn't upside down. And so this record, really, we put it together from eight songs. Um, we we and did a live recording in 30 days. We started writing and we did a live recording of eight songs put the band together, live, all of it, live DVD, uh, I'm sorry, a uh, video um, in, in 30 days. So it was incredible. My daughters wrote on this record with me as well. And my producer, David Outing, just phenomenal writer. And so we worked together on, on the songs. And at the very end, I said, we need, we need to do something that makes people feel kind of that revisit something familiar. And so we started playing with this idea of taking the song glorious, which really was the song that, that, really was the springboard for my ministry and for my career. And everyone seems to love that song. Let's rewrite it, maybe use it as an inspiration and let's take it up to the next level and then let's put a new declaration on it. And so that's what we did. And we said, well, let's call it, call it glorious 2.0. I'm going to win. And we, we wondered if that was the right thing to do. Cause we thought, well, what if it's not as good as the first one? <laughs> what if we compare it? We're like, well, you know what? We're taking that chance. Cause we loved it. We put a lot of time and effort into it and thought, you know, let's let's do this. Let's be creative and find the inspiration from the song, but let's take it to the next level. And that's how Glorious 2.0 was born. All right. You know, and, and going back to, to the original one, you know, as I look at uh, the CD, The Best Is Yet To Come, uh, Glorious is number two on that track, um, the way it is there. And this is the... Come on, make a joyful noise. This is it from the beginning. And I like the full band sound, and you have the horns. I mean, it. I mean, I would just walk around the room <laughs> praising God with this one, and then to hear that voice. I mean, oh, here it you. comes. <laughs> I mean, I just would be moving. I mean, it's just a beat. Well. And so when I hear that, and then when I heard this. I'm just gonna let I mean <laughs> <laughs> you know when you you hear I'm going to win seems mm -hmm. like you're in a battle you're in a game you're in a contest what's going on here what are you battling? What's going on? Because you always say, I'm going to win. Yeah, we, that's a really great question. And I looked it up. I was Googling, like, what does that mean? What scripture 
but the scripture that you read in the beginning, God's always caused us to triumph, was really one of the inspirations for this um, this song. And I believe it was that scripture in the message that said, this is it, God's, uh, God says so. That was the end of the scripture. God's decree, God says so. And that's, I thought, God says so. That's it. God says so. We're going to win because God said so. And it was kind of almost like a, you know, when... A, a kid kind of gets challenged on the on the on the by a bully. Well, my mom said. Well, my mom said so. My dad said so. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like bring it, devil, because my God already has said that you're defeated. It was from kind of with a little bit of an attitude. I really wanted to kind of create this feeling of, you know, bold and confident, and God's got us, and don't back down to anything. Whatever the fight is, it could be it, whatever you're challenged with. You know, limiting belief, financial insecurity, problems, children away from God, you know, divorce on the horizon, whatever it is, God's decree. God says so we are going to win. And that's and then who we are in God is so important. I'm royalty. I'm I'm, I know who I am in God. And and then the name of Jesus is glorious. There's power in that name. Um, I just wanted people to feel that the finished work of Calvary is really the finished work of the cross. It's it's a done deal. We're not fighting. I, I hear people say that, and it's true. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory, and that's what we need to. That's how we need to sing and declare. Oh yes, I love this that victorious feel. So the Latin beat, the horns. I mean, it, it's a it's a little bit more than the, the original version. What <laughs> what prompted that? I'm just feeling, you know, and I, you know, um, my praise and worship leader, she's a Latino and she's going to love this song. I mean, she's, oh, <laughs> uh, so, awesome. so what prompted this? Well, again, everything was, we're taking it to the next level, but my cousin is Philip uh, Lassiter and he is the horn player for everybody and their brother um he plays on john p key i think he did he worked with prince he's worked with everybody i'm i promise you on i think just about every record that was nominated for a grammy he produced the horns and played the horns and he's my first cousin oh so, my goodness <laughs> yeah it doesn't give me a good deal either i'm like that's not fair but he no, doesn't give you the family fair. discount I get a little bit of that, not much, but anyway. We're going to have to pray for him. We're going to have to lay hands. (laughs) We're going to have to really pray. But he, when we sent him the record, he just flipped out. He goes, I cannot wait to show you what I'm going to do. And he just, he just did it. He did a great job and and captured what we wanted. And, and, um, and really just the musicality of this, I have to give the credit to David Outing who produced it. He just did a phenomenal, he caught the vision, he ran with it, he created it, and did a phenomenal job. And then my cousin Philip put the put all the little specialties on it and made it what it is. Uh, so when's the, the complete project going to be released? This is just a single. That's the single, but the record is called Best Days. I, I think it's some of the best songs that I've written or been a part of writing. I really, really do. I can't wait for everybody to hear them. They're so different and so now fresh I, I really believe in putting younger the younger generation around me and then I listen to them and then they listen to me and so I'm excited for everybody to hear this record It's eight new songs and it's sh- by the summertime it should be out we haven't hit the exact date yet but when the next 60 90 days the whole record will be released okay I'm gonna have to get with your your publicist and see if I can yeah. get you back to talk about the, the, the complete album the complete CD you know when you think about who you are, your character, your core, to what do you can uh, to what do you attribute your success in life? Well, I can tell you, I don't um, think that it's my gift or my ability. I I would say, of course, it's you know God's grace and His mercy and His goodness, but. Over the years, I've just, I've really seen a connection with really just serving wherever God's placed me, just serving. And it didn't mean I didn't sometimes have the wrong attitude. God had to work those things out of me. But it seemed like the the, the, the more insignificant task that I performed, the more God would give, he would give me. And I think just living surrendered as much as I possibly can, my husband and I just 
you know, he's a person that um, has an excellent spirit and he is just one of those people that we have to be on time. We have to get this right. We have to work harder than other people. We have to put more time in than other people. I, 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 I believe it's God. And then my husband has a tremendous work ethic and, and then serving, serving wherever God placed us ha- has really put us where we are today. And that's not a simple answer, um, but it's, 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 it's easy to live that out when you realize none of this is about me, God, and it's all about what you're doing in me and through me. And um, every door that's open, it's just because God is good. And at some point he required something and we, we were obedient. It's the only thing I, I, can, I can attribute it to. And I agree. Being obedient to whatever God says, you know, the scripture, you know, obedience is is better than sacrifice. But one of the things I really recall is that, you know, he said, if you want to be great, you really want to be great. You have to serve and understanding service and actually doing it. You know, he showed the example by washing the disciples feet. And when you really look at that in context, I mean, from being a pastor, being in ministry, when you really look at it, serving is not easy because you have to give all of you. You have to give so much of you. And with that being said, how do you recover? How do you restore or get back all of that which you've given, not only through ministering through song, but now ministering the word? How do you get your energy back? Now, that is a question only a pastor would ask. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You know, I, I just believe I have to put more in than I pour out. I heard someone recently say, preach, uh, pray more than you preach. And I can tell when I haven't prayed more than I preached or prayed more, prayed more than I've given out. I, I feel depleted. And so I do everything that I can to either rest Sometimes it's just as practical as resting and getting in the presence of God, podcasts, reading, my version app every morning. I mean, being disciplined and pouring back in and then not uh, falling into that temptation of it's got to be me. Nobody can do it as good as I can. No one. I, I, I have to really resist that and, and let other people step into roles that it might be my comfort zone and my expertise, but always raising up someone else. And even if they, they don't do it perfectly, just allowing for the imperfection, because if I don't have somebody that's coming up behind me, then, then it is always on me. And then I don't even have time to recover. So those are again, some practical things, but it's either take a good nap or just get up in the morning and get in my Bible and make sure Joel, Joel Osteen is in, on my serious radio every single day. And he prophesies to me every single day. So <laughs> <laughs> that's how I do it. I just keep feeding and feeding as much as I possibly can on God's word. That is great. I mean, it's the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word yeah. that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Amen. And one of the things I heard from a practical standpoint of being a leader, um, one of the things that defines great leadership is the development of other leaders. And I heard you say training up people, learning to delegate. One of the things I do from an inspirational, motivational standpoint is I tell people, you know, either delegate or die. Make your choice. Yep, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Dele- well, that's true. And and, and the, the delegation is knowing that I was talking about this with my daughter, my middle daughter today, because she runs our worship team. And she runs our kids ministry. That's the way it is. It's a new church plant. So, you know, she said, sometimes I just feel almost guilty giving work to somebody because I feel like I should be doing that. I should be able to cover that base. It's simple. Let me do it. And I said, but but you're literally taking purpose away from someone when you don't duplicate yourself, when you don't hand that off, then, then God can't give you more because you're still stuck on that level. And then the person is saying, am I not worthy? Am I, do they not see my value? And raising up the next level is something, the next generation or the next person, duplicating yourself is imperative to to future ministry success and for growth. And so people have a purpose. People need to know when I walk into the church and I smile, it it makes someone someone's day. I have the ability to change somebody's life. When I hold a baby in the nursery, you know, I'm changing somebody's life. I'm making room for a single mom to go hear the gospel and take a break from her baby. Like it's purpose driven. It's not just, Hey, give me a break 
so that I can, you know, don't have to preach today. It's I want to help you fulfill your purpose. And that's really, really what our church is all about. Yes, indeed. How did you come up with the name Epic? Well, it started with our nights of worship. It was ex- uh, experience, um, a p- passionate, intimate connection. And now it's experience your purpose in Christ. Wow. And that's really what Epic is all about is, is helping people. And one thing I've learned about pastoring is that it is, it is the hardest thing I've ever done, but it finding the right people that are on the bus, as John Maxwell says, to, <laughs> to help fulfill that purpose is harder and takes longer than you think. Yes. And so we're just now kind of hitting our stride to find those people that, you know, we can shepherd and that they submit and say, this is where I'm supposed to be long-term and pour into them and then watch them flourish. It's the most incredible thing. It is. And it is hard because you think that, okay, they say, they say, they say, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and all that. Yeah. And then it's like, oh Lord. They're not saying <laughs> <laughs> you said it. <laughs> no, it's true. Well, the people, I love the people that, that I call it. They, they, uh, they blow in, they blow up and then they blow out. Yes. You know, they, they come in with all of this. This is the greatest thing. Oh my gosh. This is, this church needs to explode. I'm so, I've never been a part of anything like this. And pretty much we've learned somebody comes in before they know you singing your praises like that. You probably, you just might as well just say, Hey, you know what? You know, this it's nice knowing you yeah. <laughs> they don't they don't last long it's those ones that come in under the radar and they just serve quietly and they don't ask for anything and they're just happy to be there and you see their life changing go to the ones you can go the distance with yes indeed i mean this interview is just great i'm learning so much about one of my favorite gospel recording <laughs> artists tonight you know i i i jokingly say you know you put that pause between the the Old Testament and the New Testament with taking that little time off. But when you look at the music industry during that period of time, how has the music industry changed during that time you were out? And did any of those changes impact your return? No, it, it didn't impact my return um, except for maybe social media, knowing that, I'd never really used social media to put a record out before. So I knew that was going to be interesting. Um, this was, you know, gospel music has grown over time. I'm really beginning to see just a, more of a worship component that's really coming up um, through through gospel music that is, I, I love Todd Delaney. The music is, is, is kind of more of a hybrid, you know, instead of uh, just very, I would say technical, it's still technical, it's still phenomenal, but you're, you're seeing more guitar driven, more praise and worship driven um, songs that really seep into the worship sets. You you see that intentionality with gospel music, Um, Maverick City, Todd Delaney, so many others, even CeCe and and her new record. I I love what I'm seeing um, to impact the church because that's what it's going to take, impacting the worship experience. And that's, that's what I'm, I'm seeing. That's where my lane has always been. I wanted to make sure that people could sing the songs that I write. So to see gospel, even some of the the larger art, audience uh, artists doing that as well intentionally is pretty exciting. So it's just a great time for gospel music. There's no doubt. Yes, indeed. And that word intentionality is just a popular word these days. And but you have to be intentional because yes. if you're not, it won't happen. No matter what right. it whatever it is in your life. I always tell people it begins with I Um, it's the first thing. It doesn't happen unless you do something, you know, faith without works is dead. So you can have all the faith in the world, but you got to put forth some effort and it begins with I, you know, everybody has a message. Everybody has a story and I share my story and, you know, the mess in my message was that I left home at, at 17, didn't want to think about the church until the Lord uh, knocked me down after coming back from the Gulf War um, with cancer and not knowing where that was. And all of a sudden I found myself in this place. All I could do was look up to heaven and say, you know, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And they revealed to me all my mess and all the things that I did that I was big enough to do when I went to the University of Florida didn't go to class and got caught up in the parties and, and the women. And that's, I share that with people to let them know that failure 
ain't final as long as God has a plan in your life. And I love the word you say purpose because I call myself the purpose proponent. When you look at your life and your message, can you share with us a part of the mess that has helped to develop Mm -hmm. you to who you are today? Well, how much more time do we have? As much time. (laughs) I'm not in radio anymore. I'm in podcast. And so it's, you know, however you want to take it. And I really love to let the people speak on Mr. Speaker Speaks. Yes. Well, I, I, I don't talk about it a lot, not because I don't want to, but just because it doesn't always come up a lot. But my mom and dad were married for 30 years and pastors and speakers and singers and my father won a Dove Award in 1977 for a song called Learning to Lean on Jesus. And I was about 14 years old when I told my mother that my grandfather, my dad's father, had been molesting me and my sisters and my female cousins. My dad had one sister, and it was happening to all of us. And um, it had happened for years. And my mother, this was back in the day where there was no Oprah you know, there, we weren't, it wasn't discussed at all. No one was talking about this. And so remembering the look on her face of just shock. And, and then as she shared it with a pastor and they didn't even know what to do. And then she shared it with my father and just watching the whole family just implode. Um, and my parents ended up divorcing. My dad just kind of went off and on the deep end. It was just, it was one of those awful situations that just kept reverberating year after year after year. And my aunt uncle divorced my oldest cousin and her husband divorced. I get just, and and I had a season in my life. I thought I should have just kept my mouth shut because look at the mess that it's called. It caused because I shared, but it was the only way that we could find healing. And then my dad left my mother and didn't want to stay married, left ministry. It was, it was a really difficult situation, but through it all, um, I remember I was about 16 years old and m- my dad left and my mother had, was a, was a uh, pastor's wife. That's all she really knew to do. And it, she didn't really have any other skills. She was married at 18, didn't have any other skills, but a dynamic woman. And I remember I came home one day and she was in a fetal position on the floor and didn't know how she was going to make it. And I remember that was like the first time I think I prophesied over somebody. And I got on the floor and I said, mother, you're going to be like Job. God's going to restore it all. It's all being stripped away, but you wait and see. God's going to restore it all to you. And within just a few years, God, a couple of years, God brought an amazing man into her life. Incredible story and just completely changed her life. And my dad died a pauper, which was very sad. My mother is still around and living, doing phenomenal. God has blessed her with financial stability because of the man that she married and because of some great decisions she made. So we've been able to live long enough to see the results and the fruit of decisions people make. And when you, you know, I, I love what you said when you, you talked about your story, but that doesn't have to define who you are. You came back to God and served the Lord and let that be in your past. A lot of people never make that decision. And so my dad didn't make that decision. He just kind of stayed in that lane of rebellion against God. And it was sad to watch the end of his life and the way that he passed away. But in contrast, my mother and then my sisters and their their husbands are, and our marriage is stronger than ever because my mother stood in the gap for us, even though she was broken and hurting. And we've never struggled. We've not had any major issues in our marriage. It's just, the, you know, the, the challenges. But God has been good to us. And that was a difficult, awful season. But God's used it to bring healing to a lot of people. And I share it. Um, when I feel like the Holy Spirit tells me to share it, because I know there's so many people that think that that's going to define them. If you're molested forever, I'm going to be somebody who was, you know, defined by that. And you don't have to be. God can heal you completely to where you don't even have the memories. And that's what God can do. He can restore it, put it all back together better. And I always say God does not have a plan B. It's always been plan A if we'll cooperate with it. Oh, my Lord. I like that. No contingency plans. I only have one. (laughs) And, you know, he's somebody that can do it because he's a sovereign God and whatever he says going to come to pass. (laughs) Absolutely. That's exactly true. You just have to wait and trust the Lord and you'll see every promise is yes. Every promise has been stamped with the yes of heaven. 
Wow. What would you say to that young aspiring singer, to that person that says, okay, I have a voice. I do believe I can sing. I want to enter into the gospel recording industry. What would you say to that person right now? I would, I would say if you are, depending on where you're starting, if you want, you have dreams and visions of being a gospel singer and you're not, you have not, or you are not serving somewhere. Um, that's the first thing you want to serve. That's a principle because you're, it's backwards in the kingdom. <laughs> if you want to go famous, go hire a publicist, you know, hire a producer, get ready to spend about a hundred thousand dollars and you can put, anybody can put a record out. But if you want it to be something that is God breathed and um, purpose driven, then serve. And I just, I believe that. I don't think we ever get away from serving. If you are already serving, serve in your local church, find a youth, a worship pastor. You could serve in your youth, on your youth ministry. There's a place for you. I promise you, your pastor will be happy to see you. If yes, you've got sir. Any gift, they'll be like, come on, where have you been? And serve your way and God will open up doors. You can look back through scripture and there's an, there's a season of obscurity that God requires of preparation and don't despise that embrace it because there's doors that are unlocking and platforms that are being created in that season of obscurity that you can't pay. You don't know enough publicists. You don't have the timing of it all. You could never figure it out, but if you'll do it God's way, you'd be amazed at how he'll just make those crooked paths straight and open those doors. No man can open and shut the, the wrong doors. And, um, that's what I believe. If you're already somebody that's serving and you're giving your all and you're in a church, listen, trust God and just take the next step of obedience and write the songs. I always, I like to be practical. If you've got songs and you don't know what to do with them, if you've got a musician at your church or you know a musician or put an ad on Facebook and offer to pay them, offer to take them to lunch. Would you give me a couple of hours? You know, would you make a track for this song and take the next step? Don't just sit with a book filled with songs and not know what to do. Reach out and 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 look for people. There's people everywhere that they're looking to partner with a songwriter. Right. If you're not someone that plays a, an instrument and God will lead you, God will open the door and be willing to say, hey, I've got fifty dollars. Can you help me put this song together? You'd be amazed. And just those little acts of faith and then honoring that person and their gifts. Um, I'll just tell you this. My middle daughter, Nicole, she's amazing singer songwriter. And last year she was getting ready to, well, in April, she turned 25 and she said, I want to put a record out a song by the time I'm 25. I said, babe, it's already April and you haven't even written the song and your birthday's in April. I said, how about you just put it out in the year, in this year? And so, sorry about that. And so um, she, she said, I said, well, she said, what do I do first? I mean, we just walked through this. Because her, her music's different than mine. It's 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 different. And I said, well, reach out to your friends and say, I've got $100. Who will help me? That Just that little bit of stepping into that uh, place of faith was all she needed. And the next thing you knew, the door opened for her to work with the, the musical director at Lakewood Church. And they the door opened and he said, I just want to serve you. I just want to help you. I, I think you're amazing. But she was willing to do whatever she needed to do. And then as she was taking those steps forward, this just really, it seemed like she stumbled into it. And now they're best friends and they work together. They're doing their second EP. So God's got a path. We just have to get on it. Most and it just takes the step of faith. Wow. And I'm going to have one final question and we're going to close this. This has just been so great. And I, I know you got other things to do tonight. And what I heard you say was activity produces results. You have to get into motion. You have to begin to do some things for other things to take place and to happen. Can't just sit idle. At the end of it all, gospel recording artists, awards, family, pastoring. At the end of the day, Martha, what matters most to you? <laughs> wow. Um, you know, honestly, I can tell you what matters more to me is my children, my kids. 
seeing them follow Jesus and live out the dream that God has for them, that is really, and I think every mom and and mama and daddy would say the same thing. I'm not unique in that, but I, I bet it is true. Watching them flourish and watching them have their own story. You know, my sister and I talk about it. She has four kids. Like, well, we have our story. What's going to be their story? They're going to tell their kids and, and walking that through with them, making sure that they're where they're supposed to be, living out their purpose, not just doing what we're doing because, you know, we're doing it. But is that what God's called you to do? And making sure that they're following God's plan for their life, watching that happen and watching them um, flourish is the greatest gift. If I never write another song, if I had to pick songwriting or or being a gospel artist and that there's no, there's just no competition. It's, it's watching them grow. All right. Powerful. Let my listening audience know where they can find out more about you and get a copy of glorious 2.0. And can I close when I get ready to close? Can I use that song to close out rather than my own theme song? You, you can do whatever you want. It's your show. <laughs> but, but it's your music. You know, I don't want to get in no yeah. trouble. <laughs> Listen, there's no artist on the planet that would say, don't play my music. I promise you. <laughs> play it. Play it. Uh, so how can they find out more about you? You can find me on uh, social media, Martha Munizzi, M-U-N-I-Z-Z-I. I'm on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and um, our Epic Life. We have an Epic Life Church, Epic Life O-R-L Instagram as well if you want to follow our church. But yeah, just under my name, uh, Martha Munizzi, we have our own YouTube channel where you can hear me preach a little bit and our worship team from our services. And then the live video of glorious 2.0 i'm gonna win is on there as well so you'll be able to watch that we recorded that live at our church here in orlando and um yeah and you can you can go and download it right now anywhere where you can stream music apple spotify all of it itunes and um yeah download it we appreciate all this all the streams oh yes indeed well martha i want to say it's truly been a pleasure having you here and i you know my pleasure and i love this song Oh, may God continue to bless you and keep you, Martha. All right, everybody. We're taking it out with Glorious 2.0. You've been listening to Mr. Speaker Speaks, the show that educates, stimulates, and rejuvenates your mind. Remember, check me out at VincentTEdwards.com. Join the online community at VincentOnDemand.com. Guess what? Life is all about purpose. Do you know yours? Find out. If you don't know, ask somebody. That somebody ought to be God. Remember, in all that you do, be magnificent. Until next time, be good, be blessed, but most of all, be a blessing to someone. And remember, you're going to win.